What's up, y'all? It's your boy Cortez, a.k.a. Gangsterville. You know, it's Black History Month, so I decided... <clears throat> excuse me. I decided that um, I dropped some knowledge on y'all, man. It's only right. Um, today, we will be talking about Malcolm X, um, the Black Panther Party... Um, we'll touch on the FBI because, you know, they have their hands on both of those situations, uh, government officials, um, you know, and overall with, you know, the following of the black power movement um, from X to the Black Panther Party. Well, anyway, without further ado, I'm going to start with my man, Malcolm X. Um, Malcolm X stood out to me, you know, I have the spirit of a fighter, um, even from when I was a kid, my mom said I used to always try to wrestle and run up and always fighting other people or whatever, um, I never understood it, but until the older I got, um, it's just, you know, no matter what, I have the spirit of a fighter in me. I don't care how big the person is. I don't care how much the odds can be against me. I don't care if it means this is my last day breathing on this earth. Um, you know, whenever the rage of the fighter hits me, I just don't care. And that spirit that's in me never sat well with the black history that was portrayed to me as a child. Um, I remember, you know, every time you see black people, they're being whipped, they're being beaten, they're in chain, you know, Uncle Tom's cabin, burning Mississippi, roots, that's the stuff that I'm talking early, this is like me, four, five, six, seven years old, this is all that I see, all that I know of black history, um, even when you get to the 60s, you know, I, and I'm, I'm very offended for Dr. Martin Luther King, and I appreciate everything he brought to the struggle, I think he he has one of the most brilliant minds when it comes to people, uh, what he was able to do with um, people just look at the march, but it, it was more than just the march. It was the boycott that he uh, infused in the civil rights movement. We're not going to use y'all shit. We're going to, matter of fact, we're the ones that's making y'all rich, so we're just going to pull all our money out and watch y'all flop like he did the bus lines in multiple cities. You know, that was ingenious. Um, and that's what people are missing today. You know, everybody want to march, march, march. Them people ain't going to do a damn thing until you touch their wallet. You know what I mean? But, you know, that's all we had seen to that point in childhood. You know what I mean? And even Martin Luther King, you look at him and, you know, he's being spit on and being, you know, water hoses being put on him, being beaten, dogs sicked on him. And it's, you know, we shall overcome and turn the other cheek and just let them whoop my ass. That's just, the, that's, that's not Cortez. If you know anything about me, you know that's that's not me. So I always said if I was born during the 60s or during slavery time, I, the life would be real short. I'd be one of the ones made example of, cut, you know, thrown over the ship, however you want to say because that shit just not happening to me. But anyway, you know, I, like I said, I always have respect for King, but it, it just, you know, my, with the spirit that I have in me, it just never really clicked with that way. You know what I mean? Like, I'm very peaceful. Um, I'll give you the shirt off my back, but at the same time, I'm not taking shit from nobody. And I didn't get that from King. You know what I mean? He took shit from everybody. Um, and, you know, 
hats off to him, you know what I mean? Not to say nothing disdain him or anything, you know what I mean? I still got mad love for King, but it's just, you know, different people have different ways. That's why you have different religions. At the end of the day, they all have the same stories, you know, Adam and Eve, Great Flood, yada, 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 but it's different flavors for different people, you know what I mean? Different styles for different people, and that's how I look at civil rights leaders. Now, you know, I said up until that point, all I had seen was, you know, slavery, King, and this is most people, you know, like me and before me and even a lot of people after. But then I came across Malcolm X, and I'll never forget it was a speech that I heard. I was maybe in class, and we just abruptly, you know, went over him. It was like, you know, such civil rights leaders as Rosa Parks, uh, Martin Luther King, and who else they named. It was maybe a, um, you know, this person, that person, um, and then it was... Malcolm X, and I'm like, hmm, who is that? And, you know, computers were just starting up then. YouTube was, you know, just getting started. Um, so I could, you know, look stuff up, luckily, for me to be in that era or this era. Excuse that. <laughs> but, yeah, luckily, luckily for me to be in this era where I can, um, you know, just be able to be that young and research something. So I went and researched Malcolm X, and the first thing I got was his speech, um, and it was the one where he's like, you know, um, who, what is your name? You know, where are you from? The people from where you from don't have names like James, Thomas, Wayne or whatever. You know what I mean? Who gave you that name? You know what I mean? Who gave you the name that you have now? And why are you to the point to where you can't remember or know the name that you knew before? And this is me paraphrasing or whatever, but that really stuck out to me as a kid. And this is seventh grade, seventh grade. Um, that really stuck out to me. And from there, I just went into autobiography after um, biography after uh, any video, anything I could find on this man. Um, I've done more projects on Malcolm X than VH1 has played the Michael Jackson autobiography movie, American Dream, whatever the name of it is. I've done more uh, reports on him than anybody. Um, so to give you a quick rundown of him, I'm not going to take too much time on the history with him because most people know maybe a couple things you don't know, but either way, we'll just review it. Um, Malcolm X, <clears throat> his father was a pastor. Um, he was murdered by pretty much Klansmen, um, dragged him out of his home and murdered him, um, brought him to a, I believe it was a, a subway or a railway or something and cut his head off. <clears throat> um, his mother, you know, he had a bunch of brothers and sisters, so his mother was left there with all of them and, you know, the incident and everything that she went through, she went crazy. Um, so she was put into an institutional home or a site ward and her children were given up to the state. So he grew up in, uh, pretty much boys homes, uh, orphanages for children, uh, and, from there, he was, you know, he graduated or became of age to where he can be on his own. Uh, he ran the streets, you know what I mean? That's another thing I always liked about Malcolm, because he doesn't come from this, I'm too good, everything about me perfect. He come from the slums like us. Um, he used to rob, he used to steal. Matter of fact, him and Red Fox, when they were young, 
used to rob people in Harlem. Um, and that's two people that went off to be very successful. Red Fox, hands down, is my favorite comedian. I'm on every last episode of Sanford and Son. That's my dude. Even um, used to own the old records that he had from when he was a comedian. Um, but him and uh, Malcolm Little at the time, they were a Chicago Red or whatever his nickname was. They used to rob people, man. This is the type of dude we, we deal with. And he's robbing people to the point where he gets caught up in so much stuff and has to go to prison. Um, rumor has it that Bumpy, the famous Bumpy Johnson had to uh, call a couple of hits off from him. Um, but that's a whole other story on that. But anyway, long story short, he goes to prison for the various crimes that he committed or one particular crime or whatever and finds his religion and, and Muslim through it. Now, what I love about Malcolm is you got the point to where, you know, Honorable Elijah Muhammad uh, comes to him when he's in prison uh, spiritually and, and, and uplifts him, pulls him out of the hole that he's in. But then he comes out and he's studying enough to where he can preach the word. And this is just raw, uncut truth that he's putting out. And it it was at that point in growth. It kind of reminds you of, of black people uh, recent nowadays, whenever they come out of religion, you know, the what we call them, the awakened or the woke people. You know, they're mad at the world, going off at the world and everything. And it's cool to be at that point. I used to be awoke person <laughs> you know what I mean but this is a, a part of evolution you have to rise above that you have to keep evolving um, and that's what he eventually did but even at those even at those points where he was you know raw fresh out of jail uh, you know new to the nation of Islam he was speaking jewels and he was not to be played with he was actually helping the community he was standing by his words and he was you know speaking the truths of black people and this is the Malcolm X that a lot of the white people don't like or you know they kind of fear or because he did say a lot of hateful things you know um, but I mean it was true you know what I mean and it was kind of like a reaction to the initial display of what was shown to us. It's like you don't see his dad drug and drug out and killed over the Klansmen, but you see him say that all white people are devils, and you look at that and oh, he's wrong for saying that. But look at his life that led up to saying that. Um, look at what he's seeing in the streets now. You know what I mean? And I know all white people aren't devil, but if you grew up that way, then you would be able to think that if that's all you saw. Hell, I used to think all police officers was bad because every time I ever saw a police, he was beating up on a black person. And I was born in 85. So, you know, so what, what I love about X is he even grew beyond that. He finally took his pilgrimage to Mecca and once he went there he saw people of many different races and Muslim and it brightened his 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 view on a lot of things he came back and at that point him and Martin Luther King uh, were together seen a lot of times planning many things to do in the future he was open to working with white people and this is the Malcolm that the government feared the most because it's one thing if it's you know, forget you cracker, forget you white man, black people need this or that. But when you come back talking, okay, yeah, you know, I'm for my black people, but we all are being oppressed. We all need help. We need to come together and use our resources. That's when you become a problem because the number one strategic effort is divide and conquer. That's why they put us against each other. They want us to divide and fight and bicker amongst ourselves so that we can't go against them because they're the true minority. Um, the wealthy. 
But anyway, um, that's pretty much the story of X. Um, of course, you know, um, with the ending after he came back, when he finally came to his complete self, uh, found his true religion, you know, not just what Elijah, Honorable, Honorable Elijah Muhammad was uh, speaking to him, but his true religion from his understanding and not the words of another man's mouth. He uh, completed his cycle, became complete. And of course, at that time, he was assassinated. Um, which is a documentary on Netflix you can watch if you want to get deep into that. I have many theories myself, which I won't protrude to go deep into. Um, but we'll just continue going with the fact that uh, we know the FBI was uh, watching them. We know that they were infiltrating them. You know that they were already attempts on his life. His house was bombed. There's no telling what else was said to him. Messages were sent to him. Um, but anyway, you got this Malcolm X person who's teaching you to stand up for yourself, teaching you what these white people are doing to us isn't right. And um, I'm going to get my what's owed to me by any means necessary. That's what I soaked in as a child. That's what drove me and my determination to succeed in anything I wanted to do in life by any means necessary. It's going to happen uh, no matter what. And that's my view on Malcolm X. That's why I like him and I put him above all because he has the same kindred fighting spirit that I have where I'm not going to lay down and take this. And I don't care if you're going to kill me. I'm still going to put my message out. I'm still going to do what I'm going to do because life is what life is. Now, to go on a little further, after the death of Malcolm X, you have the Black Panther Party. Um, that was created by Bobby Seale and Huey P. Newton. Um, just a quick run overs for him. Um, why was the Black Panther Party created? And this is what upsets me about so many people that, you know, can't stand the Black Panther Party and they're talking about them so much, but it's like I've never seen you say anything about the Ku Klux Klan. Um, you got two groups that are like yin and the yang. Um, the Ku Klux Klan, they were birthed out of, uh, really hate um a little bit of satanic ritualism if you want to put it i forget the exact guy name that founded it but he was a high-ranking um uh, lumen not high-ranking mason freemason is what he was uh, that's why you see a lot of their ceremonies that they do follow um a few well, masonic um, processes and procedures and such or whatever but they were pretty much born out of hate you know um let me go back before I go to the Black Panther, I'm going to talk about the Klans uh, because nobody talks about the Klan. Uh, me, I study my enemy. I know them all. Um, what they pretty much came from is the Reconstruction era. Um, and the Reconstruction era, what happened, um, black people who were formerly slaves were let free. And since these black people had been doing all of, every job you can think of, they had all of the skills. So now they're getting paid and they're in better positions and people don't know it. But black people held public office in the Reconstruction era. If you don't know what Reconstruction is, it's af right after the Civil War. You know, after the Civil War ended, after the Confederates lost and the um, Union won, which is the north of the complete country. Um, after, you know, the, tor uh, the country was torn and, you know, building each other, building itself back up. So that, that period was called a Reconstruction Era. 
Now, during that period, many black people held office. Many black people were uplifting themselves and doing many, many, many great things. These are a lot of the black inventors that you're seeing are coming out of these ages. And it's just a lot of a lot of profound stuff happening. But you got all of these poor white people that, you know, their only job was to watch black people. Let me repeat that. You got a lot of poor white people whose only job was to watch black people, terrorize black people. Yeah, people, I hate numbers because you can interpret it any way you want to. I had a conversation with a friend the other day, and, you know, he was like, he was reading a stat where they said, well, there wasn't that many plantation owners in the South anyway. And, you know, it's kind of true there wasn't that many, but the ones that were there were so big to where, you know, you can say, oh, yeah, it's only a hundred plantations, but if 50 of the hundred plantations got two, three, four, five thousand slaves on them, that's a nice way to hide those sheer numbers. Um, so with that being said, you got some small plantations, you got just some slaves working with single families that, you know what I mean? It may be one, maybe two slaves, you know what I mean? But then you got those mass like Candyland from uh, Django, those ones where there's thousands of slaves there, uh, hundreds of slaves there. And in order to have that many slaves, you have to have a lot of people overseeing them. So this job as the overseer was huge in the South, and it was an easy job. Didn't have to be educated, didn't have to have qualifications. All you had to do was be kind or be loyal to the slave owner, be a family member, be a, a friend or a person in the town that wanted something or needed something or needed a position of money to look over black people and feel superior just over that. Um, you wonder why most slaves could speak bad English is they were reflecting what was spoke to them. <laughs> but anyway, um, so you got all of these overseers that, you know, now out in the construction area, they don't have a job no more because slavery is banished. You know, they're getting more to um, different ways of enslaving people through. I forget the name of it, but it was through the farming where, you know, I'll give you this plot of land, but you're going to give me 90 percent of the return to it. And, you know, in farming, you don't get always get your right amount every year. So every year you're getting in debt and debt and debt or whatever, um, kind of like indentured servitude, but financially speaking through agriculture. But not to get too deep into that, but that's that's you got all of these white people that used to have those overseer titles. That's where the sheriff comes from, the policing or whatever. Policing in America just comes from overseeing black people, overseeing slaves. Slave catchers is what they used to be. So you got all of these positions, all of these foremans, all of these slave catchers, all of these uh, just posses that used to just beat black people, torture black people, or, or whatever. You got all these people that used to do that, and now they don't have a job anymore. And not only do they not have a job, but these same black people that they were beating and torturing are prospering, are better than them, in a sense, financially. So that made them come together and put the KKK in a place where they, you know, pretty much use fear to drive uh, black people from buying houses in certain areas, 
from excelling in politics and then later on came, you know, the the stupid shit, what I like to call is you got to count the marbles or answer this or if you got X or Y, Z question answered, the stupid stuff to keep us from voting and attaining certain positions and offices and such or whatever. But this is what the Klan comes from. That's why I wanted to give you the history of the Klan before I went over to Black Panther Party. Um, now, as I told you, policing started from slave catchers. So we fast forward now past where Malcolm X you know that now we're in the late 60s early 70s probably early 70s and this is after the civil rights movement so now you know not only has slavery ended but now it's like okay for real for real you got to treat these niggas with respect you got you got to be right to them you got to treat them right you know what i mean so there's also the dawn of the black power movement you know the 70s black exploitation films and such or whatever so while black people are getting their foot in, you know, white people still can't stand to see it. The same thing went on with Reconstruction Era. Got many uh, black people, if they see a black person talking to a white person, a cop will pull them over and beat them and throw them over the ridge. He's dead or just scare them. Or There was so many terrifying acts that happened during this time that nobody talks about in the history books, about all the different stuff. This is the time... Uh, the, 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 the time where, you know, black people, it was real hard to do things because it was totally supposed to be legal. But I mean, if you're in a small town and you're the sheriff and the police that's running it, who are they going to go and tell to, you know, they can beat you up. They, they're doing it now on camera, beating you up on camera and saying, oh, is he, he resisted arrest or people screaming, I can't breathe and dying. Imagine what they were doing in the early 70s, the late 60s, right after the civil rights movement. Imagine how bad it was then before cameras, before there was any public attention on it, before the country even gave a damn about them doing what they were doing. Still don't give a damn if you ask me. But imagine how it was then. Well, that environment, that atmosphere is what spawned the Black Panther Party. That's also what spawned a bunch of gangs in the, across the country as well. You know, Bloods, Crips and such or whatever. They were created to protect their neighborhoods from these policemen, pretty much. These uh, mad white people that were still out wreaking terror, wreaking pure terror on black people so what did uh the black party first a uh, black panther party first start doing they say what we're gonna do we're gonna all get our gun license we're gonna get together and if we see a, a police officer pull over a black person we're gonna stand guard and when they did that guess what all of the shady shit stopped happening he can't put him in the back seat and take him for a ride if he got six black people with shotguns and semi-automatics looking at him you know kind of hard to do that then they even stepped up and created a WIC program, Women, Infants, and Children. Provided breakfast every morning, um, provided rides to school, um, educated the children of the true history of such. They were doing a lot of stuff for black people, uplifting black people. And a lot of white people couldn't stand that, particularly the FBI. Uh, that's why they pretty much infiltrated them, you know, Hired agents, that's always how they get us, is with our own, but hired agents to infiltrate the Black Panther Party and pretty much put them against each other, you know. 
telling one person, oh, such and such said this about you. Another person, such and such did this about you. Some of them, they pretty much, you know, the, the, the drug, the crack cocaine, which they had developed, they had infiltrated out in L.A. to get a lot of leaders strung off of it or whatever, you know what I mean? They even do this to the day with music and entertainment um, to keep you from getting your money or owning your business or owning your record company. They want you to be high every day. Um, well, it, it stands back then, you know, to use the drug. Hell, that's how they got the Asian people of China years and years back with um opium, the opium trades. Yeah, we just gonna get y'all high off opium and drunk off alcohol and take all your silk. Same thing over and over. All right, so I'm gonna wrap it up in a little bit. So now that we talking about the Black Panther Party, um, everything that they've given, all they've done was you know patrol neighborhoods, protect black people. You know, but it was the FBI's number one, the CIA, number one goal was to disband this organization, not the KKK, which started in hate, which started by envy, which hung people, which uh, and there's no you could never put a number on the amount of people that were lynched by the KKK. You could never put a number on the amount of terror that they put in people's lives. People that are probably still traumatized to this day off of burning crosses in their neighborhood. I had a white friend of mine that said on one of my posters that he saw a burning cross when he was a kid. And that shit fucked him up to this day. So what do you think if it messes a white person up to see a burning cross in a yard years and years and years into their adulthood? What do you think it does to a black child that has to see it? What do you think it does to the father, the mother, to have to protect their family and kids? You know what I mean? People don't never talk about that. And that's why I get so passionate and it pisses me off so much because nobody don't ever talk about the KKK and what they're doing. But it's always, oh, the Black Panther Party is bad and they're racist and there it is. No, they're not racist. They're just pro-black. And they have to be pro-black because... At that point, and even to this point, to a certain degree, everything outside of black isn't pro-black. It's pro-Irish, pro-British, pro-Canadian, you know what I mean? Pro-Japanese, pro-everything. But once we talk pro-black, there becomes an issue, you know? It's like a fear. But that's what we needed. We were just coming out of segregation, you know what I mean? been beat down, was told that we was free and still wasn't free. Imagine what that does to you. You know what I mean? Nobody helped us when the police was beating our ass and taking us on rides that a lot of us didn't make it from. Stuff that they're still doing to this day, but they were doing it blatantly back in the days and getting away from it. Nobody wants to talk about that point in history, but you want to talk about what that spawned, which was the Black Panther Party. You don't, want to talk, you don't want to talk about the good that they've done to us, but you want to talk about all of the suspected things that they've done. Let's talk. Let's really talk. Well, that's just what I wanted to talk about, man. You know, um, J. Edgar Hoover, he the devil. <laughs> Do your research. Whatever he didn't want to happen, it didn't happen. Whoever he didn't like, he didn't like and 
Stuff happened to him. I mean, even look at the files that Trump declassified recently about Martin Luther King, where he was trying to discredit him and put out information about certain affairs that he allegedly said happened and went on or whatever. And it's like, you know, you got to think with all of these resources that you have through the government, you're using them on this. Why? So I challenge people that, you know, you hate the Black Panther Party. If you don't like Malcolm X, ask yourself why. What did they do to specifically hurt you, your lineage, or your people? Why is it that every time we as black people come and try to take up for ourselves or empower ourselves or try to be not better but just as good as the next man, we get looked upon as if it's racist or it gets talked down upon. Or there's certain black people that don't even want to be, you know, uh, pro-black because, you know, they may f- scare or run off their white friends. Not me. Just so you know, I'm black 365, seven days a week, 50, 52 weeks a year. And now that it's February... Like my post said, I'm finna be black, black, blackity black, black. <laughs> this your boy Cortez, a.k.a. Gangsterville, signing out. Happy Black History Month. Yeah, boy.